Imagine yourself as one of the crew of this faster-than-light spaceship of the future, sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventure. Baffling questions, astounding questions, that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. You are listening to Geeky Brummy. Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Brummy podcast. Joining me today, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello. Mr. Guy Halford. Yeah. Mr. Philip Ellis. Hi. Right, we're going to give you a tight this week. Keith, Ooh. what was the one thing you've done this week? Ooh, um, bad back, ice comic on. <laughs> Phil? Um, I went to see Crazy Rich Asians, and my podcast fave, Deborah Francis White from The Guilty Feminist, recognised me at her book signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to go see that Hat and Garden job film and found it weird that everybody who works in MI5 don't, doesn't speak to each other whatsoever uh, and also impressed that a load of old cod just robbed a jewellery store. I also went to Ice Comic Con and hurt a toe. This was a debrief of the, this was a tasty debrief of the week like they say in Cinewood. For a tasty debrief. I feel like it's like, you know, when you watch the evening news and it's just like a bong, someone went to ice, bong, someone hit his toe, bong, some old guys robbed a bank, bong, Phil went to a van. I hate the most about the Sydney World adverts is the guy with his mouth slack jawed open staring at the screen. Like he's uh, off his face on Molly. And he's got like his hands like he's about to put his, like the popcorn in his mouth, but he's just like frozen and getting raptured. Yeah. Keith forgot his omnicord again. Keith, make an ident. What the? He's that. We're bringing back an old favourite. It's been a while since we dug into the the, the plethora of tat that is available in the open market today. Guy, you reached into your bag and pulled something out for us. Um, I was I went I went I went to a chaza on Saturday. Oh, uh, is that a charity shop? That's a charity okay. shop. Yes. Uh, just in, just deciphering the lingo of the streets. <laughs> I was looking for shirts, you know, rare, unique shirts. Not vinyl. Not vinyl, no. I was trying to be fashionable uh, and help charity at the same time. And I came across an item for purchase. Uh, I just want to add, Ryan, as well, there's no way I'm taking this home with me, so it belongs to you now. Um, <laughs> feast your eyes upon what I have in this bag. <laughs> you, know, you know when you give things to the charity shop, you're not supposed to buy them back. Oh my god! Who wants to describe this? It, I mean, I mean, the price is still extortionate. It's double what it's worth. What was the price? Two pounds, including gift aid. <sighs> so you... this is a box. Stephen Mulhern's magic tricks you can do. <laughs> I just want to add. I've had to carry... his teeth had blatantly been photoshopped on that. I was wondering if Guy had tipexed in his extra white teeth. I just want to add. I've had to carry this and take this to work with me today. Did you do any of the tricks that you did? Didn't do any of the tricks. Okay, I'm, I, I did had you pull qu- your wand out. I have questions. Okay. Who is this for? Like the who is the mar- who is the market research person who is like Stephen Mulhern is really popular among like children who have no friends because that's the only people who do magic tricks. Have you checked to see if it's complete? I mean, right, it's probably. Oh my not. god! Look at this! Look at this! <laughs> Stephen's step by step instructions. <laughs> First, get the chloroform. <laughs> Ryan, did you check to see whether the free membership of Stevens Magic's Club was still valid? I, I didn't think that, about that when I bought that, it. That sounds like he's just collecting victims. That's a future Utree investigation. <laughs> uh, what's that? Right. Shall we go for the contents? <laughs> I don't 
no. <laughs> a midget gem. Right, shall we go for the contents of what's in the box? This looks like a... Oh, wait, no, I can't right, say that. This magic know. set includes tricks with the mystery dice, the disappearing coin, the magic cards, the magic box, the magic pencil. <laughs> it's all magic. Anti-gravity bottle, which is what I think you're holding there. <laughs> it, it looks like something else. The magic wand, tricks with the contents of the magic draw box, and many more fun tricks. Okay, good. And it's the same picture all the way through the book. <laughs> They've only licensed one picture of Stephen Mulhern by the look of it, because it's the same picture. This is, this is a magic set, just rebranded with Stephen. Look. Keith, I want you to learn a magic trick before the end of the show today. Okay. I like it. None of the tricks are actually Stephen Mulhern's tricks. They just they said it's one licensed picture uh, that they've Ryan, shown. They are, because Stephen's name's on the box. I think there's things in this set that don't belong in here. This 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 looks a bit fusty from the front as well. Oh, oh it looks like it's got like, like lime scale on it or something. I'm not touching that. You bought it into my home. Yeah, well, you're going to keep it as well. Cause <laughs> <laughs> no, wait with me. How'd you get that out? <laughs> um, how to get wild, Keith, sorry. Um, Keith, there's the booklet. It just has to make noise, doesn't do you it? Wanna, do you want to do a I, weird boost? Life story? is full of noises. I, just, I keep looking at the box, and it's like his eyes follow me wherever I go. It's his teeth that follow me. Oh, oh my God, Keith! I've got a bottle of China shop. It's magic. You'll like it, not a lot. Right, what well, we got on weird news, Brian? I, I think it's just a repurposed Paul Daniels set, to be honest, and they've just put some stickers over oh, his face. Yeah, I think so. Well, there right. you go, Ryan. Do you like the gift, anyway? It's a nice gift. Nice. Alright, I have two new weird news stories for you this week. Uh, so the first is from the Metro, which is Uranus Examiner promises to get to the bottom of stories. <laughs> it's not what he told me. <laughs> And the other one is from CBC News in Toronto. City won't fix laneway because it's owned by a man who's been dead for 118 years. Uh, I want to talk about Uranus. I always want to talk about Uranus. <laughs> Keith, would you like to talk about Uranus? He hasn't been listening, <laughs> so he doesn't know what we're talking about. <laughs> He's just engrossed in this magic trick box. <laughs> I'd rather not talk about Uranus. Um, All right. So this is from so... Kate Book, and we have a picture... So no. She's a real person. Either, no, that, that, either that or it's just off somewhere like Getty Images. That, that's a, that's been it. rubbed off of somebody's Twitter profile. <laughs> a town in America has announced the launch of its new newspaper, which has quickly become the butt of people's jokes. Oh, God. A town in Missouri has named their new publication the Uranus Examiner. The name might be unique, but it's flushed out any critics oh. who may be critical of its new <laughs> moniker. typed in toilet puns. The mayor of the nearby town of Waynesville, Luge Hardman. Oh <laughs> my god, no. Is this set in like a porno universe? <laughs> Has reportedly slated the new title saying, no I'm sorry, but the innuendo of that title puts my city up for public ridicule and I will not be part of it, says Luge Hardman. <laughs> The paper's managing editor, Natalie Sanders, reportedly thought the name had a certain ring to it, and publishers added that there had been been a hole left before Uranus had decided to fill it. 
Miss Sanders told KY3. <laughs> oh no, you did. <laughs> Oh, Ryan, this is rubbish. This is not some rubbish. This is not a news story. When was this published? <laughs> this week. <laughs> it was published last Friday. <laughs> you are, can you actually breathe okay right now? People who wanted an actual newspaper were not getting to get, going to get one anymore. They would decide to turn a fun newspaper into a real one. It replaces the old paper, the Waynesville Daily Guide, ensuring that residents will keep up to date with all the news in Uranus. This is ridiculous. This is fake news. The first edition of the Uranus Examiner is due to be published in early October. So people will be kept straight. Sorry, Ryan. You repeat that that you've broken do you need someone else to take over, Ryan? <laughs> so people will be kept straining to read it for a few more weeks. Oh, God. <laughs> Uranus is located in... Oh, the famous Can somebody else take over? <laughs> oh, my God, he's genuinely broken here. Uranus is located on the famous Route 66 highway, and if their website is anything to go by, they are fully embracing the implications of their town's name. It proclaims, There's a lot to do in and around Uranus. And say it's easy to find something for everyone to do around Uranus. <laughs> the town... Oh my god, no, this can't be true. This can't be right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> this t- the town is also very proud of its fudge factory. <laughs> where, where, <laughs> which, ha- <laughs> which has the slogan... The- <laughs> Shall I just read the slogan? Yes. Read the, the, sl- the slogan for this fudge factory is the best fudge comes out of Uranus. <laughs> Can you see why it was broken? Now? Yes. I thought I was going to be a professional journalist, but I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> Can you imagine how golden that story was when it landed on Kate Book's desk? Oh, Kate Book was shook. <laughs> I'd think that Kate Book at ten past nine on Friday had had a few drinks and just made that up. Like a town called Uranus with a fudge factory is, the st- is that is the kind of content that we freelance writers dream of. I mean, the name Luge Hardman as well. Come Luge. on, I feel like it's, like it's a soft G. I feel like it's a Luge. He sounds like a Luge. character from Archer. Luge Hardman. Luge Hardman's the name. He's from Waynesville, though, so I'm assuming it's a I'm Luge. Maybe, yeah. Right, let's let's let let let's go and have a breather for a few minutes. Keith's looking for Uranus on his phone. Uh, UranusMissouri.com. It's a genuine fudge factory. <laughs> oh my god! No, it's all cobblers. It's 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 all Is it like it's all South pretend. News Network? It's it's the American version of Scar Folk. It's just all it's all make pretend. It's all make believe. <laughs> Sorry, you've lost the solar reference there. Uh, if, Scat, if anybody wants... Scatfolk, what? Scarfolk, have you never heard of the Scarfolk Scarfolk stuff? Cancel. It's a popular parody site a la Onion, South End News Network. Yeah, it's like, you know, they, they have self-help books for occultism They're and stuff. They're about to release a TV oh, right. series, which is the 70s parody one. That... Narrated by Julian Barrett. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, because if you, if, you if you look for the Fudge Factory uh, shop... It's got 46 reviews on Yelp, but then the website just goes to the um, the, the main Uranus uh, website. So they've they've got like they've got a gift store and stuff. It's basically it's like that Miracle Whip thing from the other week. What gifts can you get in Uranus? What can you get? What can you get? It's you can get 
uh, it just says featuring fudge. <laughs> I mean, you can't Uranus featuring there's, there's fudge. T-shirts, memorabilia, and gifts. You can't follow the Wayne's Mill Mayor on Twitter. He is at Luge Hardman. No need for an underscore at any point because I don't think anybody else has ever had that name ever. Well, I'd say go follow him, everyone. And, There's and a post that you could get a job. Because you, you can find a job in Uranus. Pay is right, terrible, a, but we we make up for it <laughs> in, hard, in in long hard woman. hours. Luge Hardman is a woman. Lots of different positions available. I, I I just there's too much information coming at me from all ends right now. So I feel like we need to wrap up Uranus. <laughs> Keith, <laughs> Keith, I'd like you to learn a magic trick before the show's out, please. I've already learned one. Good. I would like you to ex- show us this magic you, trick. You need you need to find an object which you can let me have to to do my magic trick with. It can't be very big, but it has to belong to you. Phil's got a little bracelet on. His no, hand. it needs to belong to you for it to anything. work. Haven't you got anything? You got keys. Five pound note. Is ten pound? I think note? Keith's trying card. to rob you. He's trying to rob me. Hat and garden. If you got a credit card, that would be perfect. And you can only get it back if you write your pin number down on a separate piece of paper. Time to move along. A cult classic film has had a birthday. It is The Big Lebowski. It is 20 years old this year. I have never seen The Big Lebowski. Should I, like, be into this? What? 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 what, what? So, well, I mean, okay, so if if this film came out 20 years ago, I was 11. Would an 11-year-old have gone to see The Big Lebowski? No, but someone a man in his twenties who was respectable and likes good film should have seen it. That's why you're in your thirties now, aren't like, you? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, like, can we like don't be a hater? Just tell me why I should care about this film. Okay. Should we describe to him what it's about? N- no. Okay. <laughs> Coen Brothers. Oh, see, like, I'm their hit rate is bonkers. As in, like, it's like they're wildly uneven in their work for me. Jeff Bridges. Sure. Julianne Moore. Oh, okay. John Goodman, mm. Steve Buscemi, mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, you're losing it. I, I mean, really, you 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 flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You, I mean, all you had to say was Julianne Moore because the rest of this is very off-putting. Okay, Phil, so Julianne Moore dressed as a Valkyrie. I mean, that maybe doesn't do as much for Phil as he does for <laughs> others. <laughs> but. So, in a nutshell, the film is about a rug. It's mistaken identity. Let's put it as it is, Ryan. It's about a rug that gets ruined in quite a vicious act. That is the premise of the film. So it involves a character called The Dude, played by Jeff Bridges, who looks a bit like me. Okay, self-insertion much. Jeffrey Lebowski. And his rug gets desecrated by some thugs. That is effective. That, would you argue that, that is what, that's what the film is about? I, I'd say that's the key plot point that starts the movie off. I wouldn't say that's just the entire film. Yeah, but Brian, that rug really ties the room together. Yeah, it's the MacGuffin that powers the plot. Yeah. Again, the language on this show, MacGuffin. That right. is, no, th- th- that is an expression though. Yes. The MacGuffin is like the object which isn't really important. It's just what drives the action. Don't, like because we'll fall into a TV I, tropes fine, hole fine, and fine, never fine, get fine, out fine. again. Okay, so basically, the actual plot of the film is Jeff Bridges' character, the dude, gets mistaken for a very rich man who also lives in the area called Lebowski, whose daughter has been kidnapped by these thugs, and it's them trying to get the daughter back. But they come and desecrate Jeff Bridges' rug, thinking he's the rich guy and he's going to pay him off. But the dude goes to see the other Lebowski to try and get some compensation for his desecrated rug. Uh-huh. And then it all just becomes this embroiled plot of bowling, like a mistaken identity. And a severed toe. Yeah, it, it just descends into the 
two hours of the strangest cinema you've ever seen, but it's so memorable. Like, the characters, the dialogue, the scenes, everything about it. Once you've seen it, you don't forget it. I mean, I think it's the key film for revitalising Jeff Bridges' career. Because he had a string of hits in the 80s. I mean, Starman, Tron. And then he had a really quiet period for most of the 90s. And then... Big Lebowski put him back onto the world stage, I think, because it was one of these films that was lauded quite a lot by the critics at the time. I mean, the the dude is an iconic character. Like, you never know his name. He's just the dude. He's responsible for 90% of white Russians drink Oh, my God, yeah, white Russian. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. The, the worst cocktail. <laughs> Everybody has it, because the dude, though, they drink it, and then they go, <laughs> I love a white Russian. It's not that bad. I quite like him. It's a milky cocktail. It's not right. It's an iconic film. I think, like, it, I understand why it's become a cult success and why, why 20 years down the line, people are celebrating that fact. And it wasn't a huge hit when it came out, but I can understand why, why now people are saying, you need to see it. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Because it's just one of those films that you quote, you just, you know the characters. I people mean, can come dressed as characters from it. It's just, it's like an independent film that's accessible. I think that's one of the keys of it. It's got many quotable lines. John Goodman's character in the example. I mean, the you're over the line one. And then you've got, what's his face? Him from Transformers movies. Oh, John Turturro. John Turturro <clears throat> as Jesus. He's like John Goodman's foil in it, basically. I mean, a lot of this is about bowling. Yeah. I mean, like, so much so that they, they, they make a, a fake porno film and it's called Gutter Balls. Wait, I'm not sure if I get that, but it sounds so gross. <laughs> There's so many fan theories about the film as well. I mean, one of them is that Steve Buscemi's character doesn't exist outside of John Goodman's head because... Oh, but every single film has always got people being like, oh, it's like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. They're like, oh, Cameron wasn't real. Or like, oh no, Cameron was the main character the entire time and Ferris Bueller was a a a figment of his imagination. It's like, no, he wasn't. You're not that clever. Sometimes a film is just a film. What about about that scene when he's alone with Sloane Peterson? Like... Sure, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> right, um, so why is The Big Lebowski one of your favourite films, Guy? I mean, because, like I've said all this stuff about it, it's just it's just fantastic, it's really watchable. It's such a silly premise for a film. It's just classic Coen brothers. They, they have a simple idea, and they run with it, they put their all into it, the casting is brilliant. It just it just becomes a bonkers caper, like like Oberville Art Val, you know, it's what you'd expect from the Coen brothers, it, it, is it a genre piece? I, I guess, there's it's elements a, of film noir about it I suppose and I'd say it's more of a stoner comedy Surrealist, I'd yeah. say it's a surrealist movie But at the same time All it, of these things are just like, really turning me off <laughs> a, sto- a stoner comedy, surrealist noir But it defies, defies definition because it's all of those and none of them You bring something to it yourself because yeah. there's bits in it that everybody latches onto. So, because nobody's talked about The Stranger, which makes, for me, is yeah. the thing that makes it like, is this even real? Because Sam Elliott turns up halfway through in the bowling alley, basically, as almost like godlike figure that nobody else seems to realise is there. But I think it's, it's all, it could all be a fever dream in the dude's head, uh, yeah. you know, and there's, there's there's a big musical number in the middle of it. Okay, which is well, pretty nothing. cool. Okay. Kenny, is it Kenny Rogers in the first edition? There's a great soundtrack. Now I'm back on board. Yeah. Okay. So you were amused when I told you that there was a song uh, called The Man in Me by Bob Dylan at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, there's just a quality with it, and I, I, I can't think of a film like it that I've seen where I've been utterly confused by what's going on, but just been totally enthralled by it. And even the title, I just love saying the title, The Big Lebowski. It's just got a nice 
feel to say in that title. It's just uh, it makes you interested in what is the big Lebowski? Why is it the big Lebowski? I, I think it's a film that's definitely worth anybody's time watching at least once. No, more than that. You can watch it over and over and over. It's uh, I think you spot things as well with it that you didn't realise. Like little background things going on and I don't know, you start to warm to it more. I don't know, if you're a fan of Coen Brother movies, it's going to be right up your alley straight away. But they have they everybody missed the bowling. Ah. Oh, have they made? Have they ever been able to make another film like this? Though I can't think of another Coen Brothers film which is as funny as The Big Lebowski. I mean, A Brother Where Out comes close, but I can't think of another distinctive Coen Brothers comedy which is as genuinely amusing as The Big Lebowski. Well, that's the thing. Their comedies are not really comedy films. They're usually dark, depressing movies with comedy elements shoved in. Was it? I mean, was this the one that followed Fargo? Was this the follow-up to Fargo? Was there anything in between? No, I think that's. I think you're I right. Sure. In Go that timeline, I feel like I feel like this was like an appropriate follow-up to Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes: Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo, Big Lebowski, then Obra the Where Art Thou. Right. Okay. That 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 free set of films then, and Fargo, Big Lebowski, and Obra the would be their strongest run there. I don't know. I'm a big fan of. Barton Fink and Hudsucker Proxy. But yeah, yeah, it's good. I, I think it's it's the least it's the it's not it's not it's the least hood it's the least Cohen brothery of all the Cohen brother movies. I think as well. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. It's a bizarre piece, but I think it's um, a good movie. I think it's credit to the Cohen brothers as well that they're, they're quite iconic filmmakers. People know their names. People know their films. But everything they touch seems to be different. They're not making the same type of film over and over. They are doing something different every time. I think The Big Lebowski is a fine representation of that. It's a film that I would definitely recommend at least one watching of. One, of, It's it's a love it or hate it. It's a very Marmite movie. I think if you watch it and you don't enjoy it in the first half an hour, don't really try and continue with it. Do you think it deserves its title as a cult classic? It is definitely a cult movie and that's the joy of cult movies. Some people love them and some people love them because they're bad or because they appeal in a kind of way that you find a cult movie that attracts you. And other people might be turned off from it. Would you rewatch it now? Hey, I'd rewatch it any time. Go and see it in a couple of weeks' time. Keith, oh yeah, I'd watch it again. I, I'd, I'd genuinely enjoy watching it again. Phil, have we convinced you it's worth a watch? I mean, I you know what? I'm going to follow your recommendation. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll seek it out and I will watch it for half an hour. And uh, and and I feel that'll be the, the you know if I if I make it to the end, then that means that I found something in it that appeals to me. Literally none of what you all just said for the last ten minutes made any sense. <laughs> <laughs> you need to watch it then. <laughs> what makes a cult movie? Uh, Phil, what makes a cult movie for you? I feel like a cult film is maybe something that when it comes out of the cinema, it's not immediately kind of appreciated or maybe understood, but then over time it kind of develops fan base or maybe it immediately appeals to a specific sort of subsection of people and they love it so much that kind of that's where the you know term cult comes from but i I, I feel like it's something that it's a cult a cult classic is something that's like it's not like an avengers movie it's not a romantic comedy it's something that's a little bit different maybe a little bit odd a little bit eccentric a little bit different you know a little bit weird and that's why people love it. People love it because it's different rather than despite the fact that it's different. I mean, like, you're looking at, like, your things like The Room here and your Rocky Horror. Yeah. yeah. Like Phil said, they're, they're obscure, they're different, but they've got huge they're not, followings. They're not made for the mainstream audience. Is 
pretty much where. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Joy, like tell, the, Joy tell Tommy was so that about the <laughs> You might have a different answer. Okay. I, I feel like it's we, yeah, it's that you, that feeling of delight you get when you're watching something that hasn't been written by a, you know a writers' room of about thirty people and yeah. it's not been focus grouped to death. It's not been shown to test audiences. It's not having uh, his ex medal with it. Yeah, it's a it's a singular eccentric vision. And sometimes those are the ideas that aren't always executed perfectly, but there's kind of beauty in the what they get wrong as much as what they get right. Keith, what makes a cult movie for you? I'd say I pretty much agree with most of what Phil says. Although romantic comedies, I think there's a few cult romantic comedies out there that are just slightly quirkier that aren't your bog standard romances. I think there's room for genres within the cult thing. I think blockbusters, big budget movies that are aimed at big, big audiences are not quantifiable as cult but i think it's just stuff that slips people by or just is slightly off the beaten track quirky different just films that people are making for the joy of it rather Mm -hmm. than for the kind of like big books wanting to make a lot of stuff i mean i i think as a kid who grew up in the 70s and early 80s i had the best time in terms of discovering loads of cult movies because there weren't five billion channels and netflix and amazon prime that i was lucky to have alex cox on a sunday night at 10 o'clock go have you seen repo man you should here it is or have you seen plan nine from outer space people like jonathan ross and alex cox and all these people that were introducing me to these great movies that were made by people who just wanted to make films and that tommy was reference guy i think is 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 what it is it's filmmakers who just made what they wanted to make and and, and did it it's good that you mentioned repo man so it wasn't going to be one of my picks here but i was going to mention it as honorable thing because that is Definitively, I would say it's a cult classic film, but people don't tend to know about it. Once you see it, yeah, it's always with you. I'm going to take a slightly different track from you guys on what I think a cult movie is. What I'm getting a lot from you guys is you think it's the esoteric movie. Somebody makes it for a defined audience of people who are going to get this movie. Something like kind of uh, No, I, I wouldn't say that's what it is. It's not. What it's I not think... made for an audience. It's made for the filmmaker. Yes, but they think they have this vision which everybody buys into. They're not making it for a specific audience. There. It's for people that they think get me. I think is where I think most of your ideas on cult movies, sort of, stuff like David Lynch, Eraserhead, stuff like that. I don't I think feel, anybody gets David Lynch. But I, I feel like David Lynch's brand is so well known for the, for the surrealism and the weirdness that it's almost that's that's kind of like crossed over into mainstream because it's so popular yeah you know blue velvet and mulholland drive are can can a cult movie also be like a popular sensation because those films are are iconic this is what i I feel like anyone would say that this is what my next point was going to be is will we ever get cult movies again nowadays with the amount of money that's pumped into the media industry now and the breadth and plethora of streaming services and everybody racing for the same goal of having content i mean keith you referred this to you in your excess show that was back a few weeks ago i don't think cult is going to be a such a thing anymore i mean the reason the room became a cult movie was because of people like Paul Rudd watching it again and again with his friends and throwing spoons at the screen. It became the culture around the movie rather than the movie itself. I mean, I can't see what you're saying. So, so like, maybe ten years ago, a film like Get Out probably wouldn't have done massively and it probably would have become a cult thing and people would have yeah. word, of, word of mouth over years been like, you need to see this film. It's a great little horror film. It would have been a VHS or a DVD that people would have passed around and but said... I, I think, like, now, a film like that can make it through and, yeah, maybe it's not as much of a... It maybe has lost its chance to be a cult film because it hit big. And fair play, I'm glad it did hit big. I'm glad it... But that is a film that has come out in the last year or so, which... 
I would see would would have fit the bill of a cult film. I feel like with something like Get Out, where it's a really different kind of idea, and a, and obviously like a diverse. I mean, I hate that word, but like a more diverse cast than you usually see in a Hollywood film. I think it's studios and producers are looking at films like that, and they're like, oh, we want to make something that's a bit different. That's gonna, but it's, and it's gonna make us look good because it's gonna make us look like we know what's going on. But so like sh- one of those will get made, and then all the other ideas that might have found independent producers and, and funding years ago aren't getting that because all the money's going into making Get Out a big financial success as opposed to and that maybe... had the marketing budget behind it to push exactly, it yeah. out to the level that it wouldn't have been 10-15 years ago yeah so it's, it's more of maybe more of a zero sum game for the, the, the more eccentric or um, sort of unique ideas I mean someone like Ryan Murphy I think would have been a very successful cult film director in the 80s I, I was just thinking of him, actually, and because I've, I've been watching a lot of American Horror Story lately because I I, I've just written a, a piece about it, and I feel like a lot of what he does is he is emulating and trying to recreate cult. He's trying to become a cult classic, but also it's like he's on a major network, he's got a marketing budget, he's got prestige actors, so it's sort of like you're trying to create these kind of like video nasty underground sensations, but also you've got so much money and so much influence in it that it's just becoming mainstream popular rather than, like, a cult thing. Well, I was trying to think of, like, maybe a cult film that's come out in the last, like, 10, 15 years, and I really struggled to think of anything from 2000 onwards. Like, really struggled. Nothing has come out, really, that seems to have had a lasting people appeal, and people are like, oh, that's, uh, that's a film I've got to see. The only thing I could think of was Drive, but even so, Drive's still pretty pretty big. I mean, that was Drive, like, the critics loved it. It, it had, like, one of the most bankable movie stars in it. But it still took a time, it took a while for word of mouth to go around about it. And a big oh. marketing budget I mean, well. yeah, I, I, I don't, I, yeah, it, I think it was, it was different. I don't think that it was, like, a, an underground success or anything. The reason you won't get cult films in the sense of what I think is a cult film now is because it's designed to be cult and the audience want to be a part of something that is considered cult. And I would say, interestingly, you picking Drive as an example... I would say that's a film that is pre-designed to be cultish. Yeah, I mean, everything, everything Nicholas Winding Refn does, he, he, he's, he wants to be quirky. He wants to be this David Lynch. So I think it's designed and I don't think you'll get cult movies in the way that it's just something you discover and you go, oh my God, that's really good. And that's really interesting. And I think even bigger budget films can become cult movies because they just didn't connect with an audience at the time. But you discover it and you think this is I'm, this is really good. And I think with everybody trying to project a persona or project some kind of element of themselves, it's I'm going to hook onto something because it makes me feel or seem more interesting. It's like, oh yeah, I like Nicholas Winding Refn because he's this, that and the other. So I don't think you get true cult films in that kind of like John Walters kind of, oh, have you seen this? It's amazing. And, you know, it's just not the same kind of arena. I don't think you'll get cult films from English language movie house anymore. I think it's going to be places like Spain, Brazil, and a notable film recently, well, recentish, City of God, which was about Brazilian favelas. That was like 10 years ago. But that that's post two thousand, okay. And I'd say that is a cult movie because it didn't have a big, major film release and support in the big studios. You bang and on with that because things like Korean movies, I would I would say the Raid is a cult movie. Train to Busan, stuff yeah. like that. They're that. they're cult movies. But isn't it at heart a cult movie? Is something that you go and see a late night screening on a Friday night. I'm not going to go and see a late night screening of Sea of God, but if you put something like dazed and confused on I'd go and see it because it's a cult to me that's a cult classic I'd go and watch that it's 90 minutes of comedy it's of a good time period 
it's a classic film. Whereas like City of God, it, it, I wouldn't. It maybe is a cult classic to some people, but I just I don't think we're in the era of them. Like, would you go and see that at I, a late night screening? I feel like this our kind of era's version of a cult classic because we we haven't got the video stores anymore. You know, we, and. I, I don't get the word of mouth that you used to. Well, I think we have the word of mouth, but it's a case of it's actually easier for you to share your opinion of a film and for word of something to get out because of, of, of you know social media and, and the internet and everything. So I, I, I don't know, It's may, maybe there'll be, it's like films are word of mouth sensations, but they're not like cult classics because it's actually, everything is really a lot more accessible now. So there's not that kind of like perceived like underground quality. Because there's that lack of discovery. Yeah. It's like, We've recommended it to you on Netflix, and it's already been watched by five billion Everything's people. Everything's driven by an algorithm now. No, yeah, so it's not like, oh, this thing is mine, and I'm recommending it to my friends and lending my copy. Yeah. It's like, I've it's... Not, I've, oh, I found this on the bottom shelf of Blockbuster, and the cover was amazing, it was lurid, it was... Because a lot of cult movies were sold to you by the artwork or the soundtrack. Well, that's like how I would have found a film like Go, for example, from 1999. That's, to me, a cult film. Or from From Dust or Dawn, because I'm renting videos of them. Not because they're in wide, big-released films. It's because I've looked at the cover, or someone's recommended I go and see that film. Whereas now it's you're you know, scrolling through the Netflix home screen for an hour, and then every time you see something that looks interesting, you go and look at it on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, rather yeah. than just sort of taking a chance on something new. And even with cinemas, you didn't have a 30, 40 screen multiplex as you do nowadays. It would mm. be one, two, three screen movie cinema max. So it would be probably two of the big hitters are out at the moment and one film which was probably the cult movie of that period, but it'd only be there for a couple of weeks. And if you missed it, then it was a six to eight month wait for VHS versions. And to wrap this up, what's the one cult movie you'd recommend to each, Keith? That, what? Off the top of my head? I if, Okay, I'm, I'm going to go with a John Carpenter and say They Live. Cool. I okay, so I'm I've got I've got two. That maybe I think between them, well, you've got, kind you've of, got ten seconds. Okay, so. so two between them, they kind of fit the the kind of sprawling definition that we've come up with for a cult movie. So, Death Becomes Her, one of my favourite films of all time. If it's on TV, I will drop everything and watch it. It's a cult classic because I feel like it's just it's endlessly quotable, and every time you mention it to someone, they're like, "Oh, I love that film." Uh, and the other one, um, David Cronenberg, Existence with a Z. Oh, nice. Guy. <laughs> Uh, I already said mine, Days to Confuse. Such a feel-good film. Right, mine is the only film where you'll ever see Disney's version of Hell in it, which is one I've talked about on the show multiple times previously, which is Disney's The Black Hole. Cool. That's a good movie. It's a great movie. Top and score it's from John a Barry. very, very odd film that you will never, ever see Disney make ever again. The Black Hole? Yeah. It's my recommendation. Go and okay. check it out. It's, you can get it on iTunes. You, uh, it's not, not The Black Cauldron. No, no, the Black, the Hole. black Hole. Live action, Vincent the Robot, Maximilian. Cracking. Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins. Max, yeah, it's a good movie. It's been a little while since Ant-Man and the Wasp. Time for another Marvel movie trailer to drop onto our doorsteps. It is Captain Marvel. Our first female-led Marvel movie. Supposedly, there was originally supposed to be Black Widow, but that got cancelled. I mean, we're not counting Elektra, are we? <laughs> that wasn't a Marvel Studios movie. It was. That was another timeline. It was another life. It was. Yes. Another, it was another world. It lives with... in the same dustbin as Catwoman. Ah, oh, I mean, well, that was DC, and I, I still. <laughs> Have a, a tiny, tiny sauce. I, I don't one. remember those movies. Like it's all these rumors. Like the fourth Indiana Jones film that was never made. <laughs> Three films like in a TV series taking place in a parallel universe. Yes. So yeah. So this is yeah first um, female fronted Marvel Cinematic Universe movie after ten years. Yes. Like it's about time. Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Clark Gregg, both returning from previous Marvel, and Jude Law. 
I mean, well, Lee Pace is also returning as Ronan the of Accuser. Of yeah. So he's yes, the ba- big bad in this. I he? was wondering about that because I saw a photo in their Entertainment Weekly yeah. spread that came out last week. I couldn't tell whether it was him or whether it was just another Cree. So it is him. It's, it playing is Ronan the Accuser, the character yeah. from Guardians, right? Okay. Yeah, there's a couple of characters that were in Guardians of the Galaxy that are in this. That's okay. going to be a nice tie-in backwards then. Yeah, and it's positioning I, those characters at a different place to what they are when we meet them in Guardians of the Galaxy. I okay. liked that this isn't an origin story in the fact that it's going to be the birth of Captain Marvel. It's like Mar- uh, Captain Marvel as we have her. She's been around, kicking around for a while in this. Yeah, to be honest though, it would be difficult to do a, a, a good Carol yeah. Danvers yeah. origin story because it's yeah, very, I mean, very convoluted in terms of who she's kicked quite, about with and how she's quite got various a, power sets. She's had some quite horrific times in the comic books. Oh yeah, she's had a rough time of it. Over the years, I mean, yeah. I don't think we'll dig too deeply into that one, but research the history of Carol Danvers. Yeah, she has a very there's a period of her life where she's very tightly tied to the X Men yeah. for uh, lots of reasons, and and she's, none of them are good. Yeah, and she's she's responsible in some ways for certain X Men's power sets mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah, so complicated. She's been very quite a lot of different characters. Yeah, because she was Ms. Marvel, then she was binary. Then she was Ms. Marvel again. Yeah. Then she was something else, which I can't remember. Then she was Captain Marvel. So and it's we been... do have a new Ms. Marvel in the comic books. Yeah, well, right? Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was good. I liked the look of it. I liked the fact that they kept a lot of the design work from the Jamie McKelvey redesign of, of the character. And yeah. the, the space helmets and stuff. And they got we got Nova Corps. Yeah. I've actually seen some of the Nova. As I said, the, the person I described as a cross between... Batman's Dark Knight slash The Flash from Justice League mushed together into one character. You're thinking it's going to be Nova? It po- could be, possibly. It might be a way of getting him in. It's a bit fleeting, really, to take it all in. I might have to yeah. look uh, freeze frame through it. But yeah, Jude Law's Marvel, who's yeah. kind of like the original Captain Marvel, who um, but like, bestows his powers. I think in the original well, comics, I don't think. He, yeah, it's not. I don't think he bestows them. Carol's <laughs> caught in a massive explosion and yeah. is infused with Kree energy. So yeah, it's yeah, it's complicated. Um, I'm, I'm just sat here with a very, very blank expression on my face. But you know, they've, 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 they're positioning her as the most powerful superhero in the Marvel universe. So. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very interesting how they're going to pull that. I liked the scrolls being in here as well because we couldn't have them in Avengers Assemble as it wasn't over here in the UK. Avengers in the US, but it's nice to see that they've put the scrolls in. It's it's got a very secret war, secret invasion kind of style to yeah. it. I mean, the whole bit of her punching an old lady on the train pretty much gives you that secret wars feel straight away. I've already seen so many memes about that today, and the trailer only dropped this afternoon, and already Twitter's loving it. It's like, yeah. oh my god, millennials versus baby movers, <laughs> smackdown. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here that he's. T- to a bigger Marvel universe. There's, there's there's characters in there who are related to other Marvel superheroes. Oh, um, Maria Rambo. Yeah. yeah. So her, her daughter ends up being a Captain Marvel at mm-hmm. some point later on. She runs the Avengers for a few years, yeah. if I remember rightly. And it's nicely that they're bringing more of the cosmic side to it, because I think with Ant-Man it was kind of a step back. It was kind of a microcosm. It was like a palate MC. cleanser yeah. after Infinity War. But Where, Whereas this is the build-up to Avengers 4. Oh, yeah. I think, like you were saying, it's sort of a relief that we're not going to have to sit through another origin story. I think they've looked at what's worked in the last, you know, sort of couple of years of Marvel films. And it's that mix of, like, Earth-bound action, but then also combining it with, here's a really sort of galaxy-wide story. So you're going to have lots of, you know, sort of colourful alien characters in it as well. It's got a period setting, which worked super well for Guardians 1. Mm-hmm. So I think even just like seeing her wearing like a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt and a baseball cap and a really scruffy leather jacket, as opposed to being like really polished and set in the present day, just like little 
details like that is going to be really cool. And the fact that, like, like we saw at the end of Avengers Infinity War, that she's contactable by Beeper. Uh, that stuff's going to be nice and different yeah. from everything we've seen in the rest of the MCU. Again, um, though, Marvel, bravo on casting. She looked the part when they announced it, and well, so I was quite pleased that she was. But now you're, one you know, of my you've seen a move in a costume. Comic panels came from after she was announced, where it's got a picture of Captain Marvel in the comics holding a, a copy of The Room by Tommy Wiseau, and it's pointing to it saying, no, I wanted The Room with Brie Larson. Uh, this guy is wanted on so many planets she wouldn't believe oh oh that is good oh i love that i like that a lot i mean i i um remember a, a good couple of years ago now she um brie larson played the teenage daughter in the united states of tara which was the tony collette show about the suburban housewife with multiple personalities bonkers show created by diablo cody but she had acting chops then and sort of obviously she come so so far and she was in you know was it oscar nominated for room yes yeah. in, in, the, in the trailer like she she looks very very cool and also makes me extremely happy that two people from scott pilgrim versus the world are now two of the best avengers uh, so i i <laughs> did see a really fun tweet where it was the captain marvel entertainment weekly cover and then chris evans won when he first became captain america and it was like oh um was it ramona flowers and uh, uh, amy Pro- amy uh, envy adams and uh lucas lee yeah mm-hmm. uh, and it was like oh yeah. scott and ramona must be kicking themselves that their exes are doing so well <laughs> like they are literally <laughs> captains of the universe <laughs> but, i mean I'm, i i kind of feel very excited at the fact that this movie is going to end in, in a way that's going to push us straight into Avengers 4 with Well with I'm Carol assuming Danvers. it's going to be pretty much a time jump and then straight in and it's going to be very straight into the middle of Wakanda where is Thanos? Something like that. I'm, I'm quite happy for an, an, a post credit scene of Cavill floating around in space gets the message on a pager from <laughs> Nick and just boom, I... and off into space. It'd be like oh yeah cool she's coming. I mean, aside from the punching the old lady in the face on the, on the bus, which was, you know, a real highlight for me. Um, <laughs> the, the, there was just the moment in the trailer, which we had, and we had similar sort of shots in DC's Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. And it's the scenes where you're seeing her as a girl, but then also as a grown up. And it's just like, she's standing up. Yeah. And it like cuts from her being like a little girl. And then it shows her like standing as, as a grown woman. And it's like, oh my God, so many kids are going to see this. And then it's going to love her so much. And it's going to be, it's going to be brilliant. I mean, one of our combined favourite moments in the trailer, just to set the scene of, is with her crashing into the blockbuster for the VHS. <laughs> yes. And it's kind of like, yes, we know blockbusters doesn't exist now. This gives you a clue it's, to the timeline. And it's that brilliant thing of like, oh God, the 90s is now like a historical period. Like we've had the 80s nostalgia yeah. of Stranger Things and and, um, and all that. And now we're heading into 90s and early noughties. Well, I was talking about this with somebody at work, actually. And kids who are born now are going to look at people born in the 80s like myself and Phil like we looked at people born in the 1950s when we were young I want to think about that can we just talk about Captain Marvel please (laughs) (laughs) well it's time to move on from Captain Marvel because I think we've explored what two minutes of trailer we can get out of this but we shall move on to something else quite large that happened in the entertainment industry this week which was the Emmys yeah curious winners I am livid on the behalf of Sandra Oh I, uh, I, I've i been a huge evangelist for Killing Eve for what yeah. feels like the last six months. Yeah. I, I think well, I think it's shocking that she was the only actress nominated for that. I think Fiona Shaw and Jodie Comer were much more interesting characters than, than Sandra Oh had to play, actually. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, it sort of seems to... What, happened, what, what seems to happen with shows like the Emmys is 
categories tend to get dominated by one program, and this year it was the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, which is something I've not watched, and I've looked at it, and it just doesn't seem to appeal. Everyone who's seen it sings its praises. I've had it recommended to me a fair few times, so I'm yeah. sure it is very, very good. It's just that it's that kind of flavor of the month thing. Now that Veep's not on the air anymore, they have to like find another show to give all of the awards to. Yeah, I mean, so if we go through some of the categories, outstanding drama series, spoilers by the way, if you've not watched the Emmys yet, or you're oh. not going to watch the Emmys, Game of Thrones winner. I mean, it was it was pretty much red as soon as it was coming out. But I mean, this is why I'm not. I don't really agree that long running shows should be nominated in the same categories as newcomers because yeah. it's like, well, yeah, we well, got the Game Crown of... and the Handmaid's Tale, which are two of the biggest splashing series. Yeah that have come out in the last few years. Stranger Things, This Is Us, which didn't perform as well in the UK as it should have done due to very bad scheduling on behalf of Channel 4. Oh, that's like the crying one, right? Yeah. Yes. If you've watched it. No. You should watch it. It is really, really good. As, as dramas go, it is, it is a very, very well put together show. Outstanding comedy series, Atlanta, Blackish, Barry, Kirby Enthusiasm, Glow, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and as I said, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel won that. Outstanding limited series, Alienist, Godless, Genius Picasso, Patrick Melrose, and The Assassination of Gianni Versace. I mean, I was pleased that um, the Versace series won a couple of awards because it absolutely deserved it. Yeah. And uh, one which I was very happy to see, a outstanding reality competition program, which is a new category, which is somebody slapping some words together. <laughs> but that was won by RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Great to see finally. that she finally got her win after 10 seasons yes. of that. And her competition was The Amazing Race, The Voice, Top Chef, American Ninja Warrior, and Project Runway. So. I mean... At this point, I mean, I mean, oh well, Project Runway obviously is, I think, even longer running than Drag Race. But at this point, like, Drag Race isn't just a TV show; it's a cultural phenomenon. So, yeah, yeah get uh, that, get that acclaim. Outstanding lead actress Claire Foy, The Crown, predictable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, outstanding lead actor in a drama series, Matthew Reese, The Americans, which is something that Viv has been watching all the way through. And I, mean, I think he would have deserved it three seasons ago, not in the final season. I was going to say it, but again, it feels like this show's been going on for so long. And I mean, maybe his performance yeah. in the latest season was the one that deserved the award, but it's just like, ugh, I don't know, it just feels a bit weird. Outstanding Supporting Actress, won by Thandie Newton for Westworld, which she is great in, even if you're not a big fan of Westworld. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, well, she was my favourite thing about the first season, and as I said, yeah. I've, I've not, uh, I've yet to see season two. And she was up against Lena Headey, Millie Bobby Brown, and Dowd, Yvonne Strahovski, Alexis Bledel, and Vanessa Kirby. Which is, like, a hefty competition, yeah. to be fair, yeah. Outstanding Supporting Actors, Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones, he's a steam seal when he's on full. One thing I... I um... I found really interesting was that so much fuss was made this year over like how di- quote unquote again I hate this word but how quote unquote diverse yeah. the nominees were, and yet almost every winner was white. Yeah, well, outstanding lead actor in a limited TV TV series or TV movie, Darren Criss, the assassination of James Archie. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding lead actress was Regina King for Seven Seconds, which I don't think I've watched. Outstanding writing for a limited series or movie, which is well-deserved in my opinion. Black Mirror, USS Callister. Charlie Brooker should just walk up on stage and pick it up. Just that. Regardless. That that big F-U to all of those toxic fanboys. I loved it. Yeah, and and that was was 
the episode of that season that deserved the award, I think. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy. Uh, Anthony Anderson for Blackish, Ted Danson, Larry David, Donald Glover, Bill Hader for Barry, which I don't think we've seen over here. I, I see, yeah, it's one of those things that um, I've been hearing ads for it when I listen to American podcasts. Yeah. But I don't think, I mean, I mean it's, it'll probably air on like Sky Atlantic or something. And I'm here. surprised Donald Glover didn't pick that up because he's astonishing when he's in Atlanta. So who yeah, was but he's not really the lead in that show. Is that's it? the good. That's the yeah. beauty of that show is that it's not. It's not his show. It's it's everybody's show. So it's it's an interesting one for that. I feel yeah. like best ensemble cast should be a category almost yeah. because yeah. some shows like if you have to pick who the main character is, like some shows that doesn't work. Yeah, most most good dramas it doesn't work for no, because it's not it's not it's not TJ Hooker or the Fall Guy. It's not a show led by a character, and there may be one character who is your introduction to that world, yeah. but then they you, they are the catalyst through which you meet the much more interesting people. Yeah, well, you look at Orange Is the New Black as a as a prime example. You led yeah. in with by one character, but it's everybody else is is more interesting than them. yeah. One final award, one uh, two final awards, I want to pick up on outstanding structured reality program, which is basically. It's fake so, reality. Yeah. Uh, Antiques Roadshow, Live Fix Ripper, Lip Sync Battle, Shark Tank, and Who Do You Think You Are? We're worthy nominations, but we're a queer eye. So it's great to see Netflix. Oh, I did. I did. Movies. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, again, the Queer Eye Boys love them. Love them. Yeah. And Outstanding Television Movie, again, another win for Mr. Charlie Brooker. Black Mirror, USS Callister. So against Fahrenheit 451, which I still haven't seen yet. Still haven't seen it. And I don't think it's going to actually beat the original movie because that's still a very cult classic. But it's well, Michael Bay Jordan. I, so I, I thought will. when we first previewed that, it was going to be, it was going to be like a long form series. Yeah. Not a, not a made for TV movie, but no. Flint, Paterno, and the Tale were the other two nominees. I mean, the only one of those that I've heard of is um, Fahrenheit four five one. Yeah, so I think it's very US oriented. Yeah, for me, yeah. the whole list and all the winners was just like yawned some. What's it? They were all like worthy things. There was like there's so much better. There's so much more better, more interesting television out there. Than any of those nominations, I think. Well, but this I mean, is the I'm... most big black back clappy award I have ever seen ever, which was outstanding direction for a variety special. Do you know who won that? The yeah. Oscars, and it was Garbage. the Oscars. Yeah. Oh my god! And that, and then that guy, the, the guy who won, proposed to his girlfriend while he was on stage. Yeah, and then she came on stage and accepted the proposal. And it's like, okay, fair enough. He's the guy who he runs the Oscars. He knows how to produce a big moment. But if you, I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you propose to me in a public place, I will say no. And the other thing it was up against Dave Chappelle for one of his live shows. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld for Jerry Before Seinfeld, which is a really good documentary, which I really recommend checking out. Steve Martin and Martin Short, and even you will forget for the rest of your life. And the Super Bowl halftime show. And wait, was it like weren't this his Oscars crap anyway? Or, yeah, I mean, yeah. Right. but it, I, the whole thing, this the Emmys, really proved to me the fact that. These award shows have lived their time, and it was the most pointless and meaningless set of no. awards I'd ever seen. I, what I would say is, watch the Emmys Creative Arts one, which was on a couple of days before, which actually yeah. takes care of the people who work behind stage. Yes. And that is the one you should be watching, because that's all the people who actually do all the yeah. hard and work. Delta Work, the, who was a drag queen on season three of Drag Race, won an Emmy because she's the uh, in hairstyling or, or makeup because she's the one that does all the styling on Drag Race now. So it's like, actually, that was like a nice moment. I will say, I, I kind of get what you mean though, Keith. Um, I think the one decision they made that really shows the kind of crisis of imagination this year is they had Colin Jost and Michael Shea presenting. And they are, it's like, if you're going to pick, go to SNL to pick your hosts, 
Yeah. Why are you picking the two least dynamic people? Who the, the only bit they do is the weekend update where they sit behind a desk and read things off an auto cue. You had Kate McKinnon and Aidy Bryant and it's in attendance in the audience. And just Les- drag Leslie- them up. Yeah, I would have said like Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones would have been my two go-to people yeah. to do, to host that. They had Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen presenting enough awards. Why didn't they just have those hosting it? You know? Well, tweet us in. Give us your opinion. Do you think award shows are still do, do you care about any of the shows that are uh, in watches, the Emmys? Who watches these things, really? I, I, I you know, I, I, I was catching up on Twitter this morning, but honestly, like, yeah. Yeah, agree. Disagree. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Come at us, Twitter. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week. Why... I wanted a magic trick, Ryan. I wanted Keith to do magic for me with Keith. Stephen Mulhern's magic trick you can do. Keith fiddled the dice out of my pot of random items. Which I'm going to give to Guy to examine. It's a, it's a six-sided dice. Yeah, There's okay. six numbers on it. There's a die so, on its own. Dice is the box. The dice is in the box. The dice is in the box. This right. is... Keith jammed his box. I've jammed it. I've lost it already. So there we go. Oh, hang on. Have you stuffed this up? Oh yeah, I've stuffed it up. (laughs) How have you lost it already, guy? You're a a terror. Okay. This is weird. Okay. Oh my god. It's gone. It's gone horribly wrong. It's like Phil. Do you want to narrate this shambles? So So the the die is in the box. Die is in the box. The box box is closed. Okay. I take the magic wand. Take Keith's magic tap wand it on in the, your hand. Tap the top of the box and repeat the magic words, Izzy Wizzy, let's get Guy busy. Izzy Wizzy, let's get Guy busy with Keith. Okay. <laughs> now open the box. The dice is actually gone. Okay. <laughs> now shut the box. Okay. And then hit the box and repeat the words, Izzy Wizzy, Guy wants his dice back. Izzy Wizzy, Guy wants his dice back. Okay. And then open the box. Hey. Take, take your dice. Works better visually. Uh, I got the dice. You got the dice. Did it disappear or did it not disappear? Sorcerer. <laughs> it disappeared, didn't it? Witch. Burn him. Magic. Does he, does he weigh more than a duck? That's He's magic. got the devil's red hair. Well, Keith or Ryan, you okay, can I'll argue look. over that. I want to inspect Keith's box now because I have a theory. Keith, when we're not pulling out your wand to delight us all, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at hardluck underscore hotel on Twitter without the underscore pretty much everywhere else. Phil, we're not fiddling with Keith Box. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at philip underscore ellis. That's philip with one L and ellis with two. I have to use the underscore because the original Philip Ellis account is taken by somebody who hasn't tweeted since 2012. <laughs> Guy, we're not amazed by Keith's magical skills with your items. Where can we find you? I don't to be found. I want to be put in the magic box and sent away. Uh, Final guy H Instagram. And you can find me um, in Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> on fudge <laughs> from Uranus. Online at Ryan Parrish for the personal Twitter, Brummigormond for the foodie stuff, and you can find us all at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at geekybrummy.com and on the Geeky Brummy YouTube channel. I, Keep your eyes peeled because we'll be showing stuff on there soon. Can I point out that Phil genuinely looks perplexed? <laughs> also, can you put a video of Keith doing magic on YouTube? You know when you see a cat startled <laughs> by a noise? <laughs> he trapped his finger in it. <laughs> he trapped his finger in it. <laughs> you know when you see like a cat startled by a noise and then like just Oops. pawing around and tapping so <laughs> what Phil's done? That's what you look like. I'm like a cat with one of those like um, spring. Springy door stops. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, stop. How is he stop doing Stop making that? noise. Sorry. It's just... It's, it's... Thank you for joining us on the Geek Room Show this week. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share. Write, write a review, review and give us five stars. Yes. Keep five stars for his magic. Keith, you can go home and show your wife that magic box. <laughs> no one is brave enough to say anything to that. I think it's time to leave it there. Thank you for joining us. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.